Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Good morning, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? Well, the good news is that the CDC announced that masks are optional for those who have been vaccinated. Yay. Yay, that's right. Yeah, well, that should be good news. And it is, yet there's now such reactivity in the response to it. Sometimes it's difficult to understand what's really going on with people. Well, Anna, I think you're right. You know, we're all vulnerable, extremely so. We've been confined for over a year with forced changes. You know, the sheltering, the working at home, social distancing. I mean, you know the laundry list. Um, And also we're grieving losses, you know, multiple losses as well. Loved ones, jobs, finances, social connections, rites of passage. So even though most people have been awaiting this day when the restrictions are lifted, and the new normal returns, you know, it, it's just, it's a time of uneasiness. Yes, I, I do agree with that. There's, there's a celebratory air about it, yet I'm not convinced that it's all that easy or straightforward or that we can just walk away from all that has happened in the last year. Well, I agree. You know, and for many, the lifting of restrictions will foster a decline in the sense of um, fear and threat. You know, we've all been enduring that for over a year. And this diminished fear feels like liberation. But to some extent, I mean, let's face it, the fear is what really kind of kept us all in check. You know, and so with this um, significant decrease in fear, we might have a little trouble you know, adhering to the safety issues that need to be attended to, some of which certainly are endorsed by the governing bodies, you know, like the, like the, um, uh, shifting in the restrictions for the masks. You know, for many, this is also a strong pull to break loose from the loneliness that we've endured with the sheltering and the isolation. We're really wanting to, to break free and regain that sense of togetherness. Um, you know, we miss those, you know, in vivo connections, you know, that up close and personal. And yet, you know, with all of this, there, there may, be, may be the possibility that if we let everything go and forget where we've been and resume all the previous uh, things that we've done pre-pandemic, it may prove to be reckless, you know, in the post-pandemic era. Yes, I think that's my concern as well. You know, have we been given enough information to operate safely and sensibly in this new era? Who do we trust? Who's on board? Who's not? Perfect questions. You know, the current announcement regarding the mass requirements, you know, is reported as being both science-based and certainly evidence-led. So, you know, it sounds very, very solid. However, as you say, there's a myriad of considerations that weigh in with this current shift. You know, things like, you know, do do we trust authority? And many people do not trust the authorities who are coming down with the mandates. You know, never have. There's questionable um, information, conflicting information very often. Very often there's vagueness about how the mandates will be implemented. You know, we're talking state by state implementation, you know, who does it and who follows it and who pays attention or who, who reads the small print. Um, you also have, a, you know, groupings of people who really are anchored in the conspiracy theories, you know, that kind of thinking. And, there's also a lot of anger regarding the restrictions, so questioning you know, government measures and 
who are they to tell us what to do? And, you know, there's also been the distrust of the vaccine. So, you know, a lot is going on. And then we also have this whole other, other issue of the pro-social closeness, you know, people kind of ignoring distancing and, and really wanting to really get up and, and move in closer to people like they're accustomed to. You know, sometimes it's, it's a, you know, peer pressure, just we're all together and we want to fit in. And so it's kind of tossing all the cautions to the wind. So while some have been overly cautious due to fear and worry, you know, others have operated outside of recommendations from the get-go, outside of the mandates. And I'm not so sure that the political and public policy debates will cease anytime soon, you know, with regard to consistent and reliable information and implementation of safety measures. I guess my hope was that at some point we would all get on the same, you know, wavelength with this. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess not. <laughs> well, probably not. You know, there are such varied and clearly divided interpretations of what this past year has been about, you know, what the pandemic has been about. You know, it's literally um, kind of created armed camps. And it's difficult to cross these, you know, varying divides, you know, there's a lot of uh, differing and opposing interpretations. So most people aren't interested in reaching across the extreme divides. You know, there's a strong pull to be very, very right and justify one's personal view. So this is, a, this is really an occasion to determine, you know, what we have control over and what is out of our control. Yeah, well, we can't control people, places, and things, right? Right. Right. So right. Okay. So let's talk about what we do have control over as we make this transition. Well, what we do have control over, and this is where this is where I would, would want all of us to start, is with kindness and courtesy and respect. Pandemic has been a rough, rough road. More so for some than for others, but in any case, there have been there have been you know differing outcomes for all of us, both individually and collectively. The crisis has really, you know, hit all of us. And there's an old saying, and I know you've heard it, you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. But for some people, what doesn't kill us makes us angry and reactive and more determined. You know, this creates a volatile environment, which continues to, feed, to really feed the fear and the animosity. So we lose our capacity to hear one another when we're anchored in that kind of fear and that need to be right. So one of the things we could do is kind of turn a little bit, you know, and, and, and look at that maybe this crisis has been a situation, a circumstance where we can actually polish the diamond within us. You know, this then supports our capacity to grow and access the best and highest part of ourselves and use it for the best and greater good. Well, this moves us to acceptance once again. Well, yes, it does. And, and that really tends to be one of the foundations. You know, as we've said before, it's not about agreeing or condoning a person or a situation. It's seeing what's true, what's true for ourselves, but what's also true in the reality of the situation and allowing it and letting it be. So acceptance in the case of the pandemic is a broad commitment that spans beyond what woulda, shoulda, coulda. You know, we all have that kind of, you know, interpretation in our, in our thought processes. 
know, it all played out and continues to play out, some of which we agree, uh, agree with and endorse and some not, you know, most of which we have no control over at all. You know, we only have control over ourselves and our own personal choices. So we have to ask the question, you know, can I let it be just as it is, knowing that I only have control over myself? Do I have the consideration of, you know, knowing how my choices affect other people and also how other people's choices affect me and consider that? Yeah, Dr. Jane, this could be a really, you know, tough call. Well, it can. And, and my hope is that we try on, you know, new lenses and move out of this life-altering dilemma, maybe asking questions that need to be asked about the past year. You know, what is the takeaway? What have I learned from all of this? You know, what's worth keeping? And, and what part of us is irreversibly altered? And how can we use that to grow and be better? Yeah, well, we've all changed. You know, how could we not? Well, that's right. So to assume that we can just go back to the old normal really isn't a reality. You know, we've changed individually and we've also changed collectively. So where would we start? Well, maybe with some of the questions that we just posed, you know, uh, thinking about the takeaways, you know, it, it, one of the things that we could do is just you know, look back on the past year and think about what's one word that would describe the pandemic experience for me. Well, what happened to me? You know, what happened to you? You know, on a personal basis, you know, how are we looking to deal with it? What did we learn? Okay, also, what is the sense, your individual sense of the new normal? And what are you doing that contributes to the new normal? And then we can also look at what are each of us willing to do to create safety and allow the differences in opinions regarding implementation of safety. Yeah, so really diving into how we personally think and feel and considering others as well. Well, I think that's right. I mean, clearly the situation, the pandemic, is not over. We've moved out of the crisis stage and hopefully into the beginning of recovery. You know, and recovery is an interesting, multidimensional phenomenon. You know, my early professional training and experience was in mental health and also substance abuse. And the tenets of, of recovery really were roughly four different dimensions. And they included health, home, purpose, and community. And I think it stands to reason that these four categories are worthy of our consideration as we think about post-pandemic recovery as well. I can already see the inclusiveness, you know, to self and others. Well, yes, they're foundation pieces in life. When we think about health, home, purpose, and community, you know, the quality of life depends on our personal investment in each of these categories. Personal investment meaning, you know, what we plan, our actions, and all of the actions come from conscious choices. Oh, yes, conscious choice. <laughs> I'm always amazed on how the material from earlier conversations continues to be a part of the weave in new topics that we form every week. And they, these are the foundation pieces, you know, the foundational pieces. Let's go through each one. Could we, Dr. Jane, health, home, 
purpose, and community? Yes. So starting with health, health, this is really to operate at optimal levels with our health needs as a priority. You know, whole person wellness, mind, body, spirit. So this includes proactive and preventive attitudes, plans, and also practices. You know, it's not just enough to think about it, you know, and say, I, I, I should be doing this. It's really about dropping in and actually doing it. So in a recovery process, we're using conscious choice to create a nourishing lifestyle, you know, a lifestyle that creates balance by really being, being conscious about what we consume, what we eat, you know, how we consume alcohol, drugs, nicotine, but also things like social media. That is also a consumption piece. It's also maintaining a healthy activity level, befriending the body, structuring our negative thinking, you know, engaging in stimulating and creative kind of endeavors, learning something new, really challenging ourselves, and also practicing self-compassion and emotional intelligence, setting healthy boundaries, you know, allowing people to know where we are and what we expect, and practicing self-care like our life depended on it, because it really does. Well, this list has all the ingredients for healthy daily living and an actual plan, you know. So let's move to let's move on to home. When we say home, Anna, you know, we use the word very often to refer to where we reside, you know, where we live. Often there's also a distinction between house and home. You know, house being kind of the physical structure that we live in, kind of the domicile that we live in. And yet home often has that that interpretation of social emotional dimension the environment within the physical structure. So when we think about recovery, what we're, what we're talking about is the process of being aware of the environment of our household, physical and the social emotional safety. Also, you know, having clear boundaries, having clear rules around division of labor, household chores, things like that. Also plenty of compassion and empathy for all. It really has to be a give and take and working together. This fosters mutual and reciprocal courtesy and respect and also provides a platform for not just nourishing, but also nurturing activities and social interaction. Yes, it's so important to have a home <clears throat> that is safe, warm, and healthy. That's exactly right. And uh, what about purpose, uh, Dr. Jane? Well, we really, we recently did an episode on purpose and meaning. Um, and in recovery, it's, it's the major component because without safety, we begin, without purpose, our safety is in jeopardy because we feel drift, we feel empty and bored, vulnerable. Very often, there's an increase in anxiety and depression and also risky behavior. And I, I mentioned risky behavior purposely because risky behavior appears when we lose focus on what's important. When we turn our backs on our values, and our passions, you know, we stop caring. We stop trying. We drop our plans, our intentions, our commitments. And our spirituality is what very often comes into play at this point in time because it helps us re-anchor into our sense of purpose. And, it's, you know, they tend to be um, really, really kind of a combination spirituality and purpose because it's about our inner world it's about our values and our meaning and it shows up as we live 
from our best and highest selves. And it can include a sense of something greater than ourselves as well. And the last piece that I think is so important in purpose is gratitude. And it's about keeping it in the forefront, you know, really having it front and center in our recovery process. And we've talked about gratitude as a life changer. We've talked about it as an antidote to stress and how it helps us shift our negative thinking and it's a key to rewiring the brain. And this is all very true. We've also mentioned that the ways we gratitude, uh, generate gratitude would be things like um, a gratitude list, writing gratitude memoirs or gratitude letters. You know, all of this is really very, very good. Wonderful exercises to generate that feeling within us. However, in recovery, we need to do more. We need to pay it forward. If I'm grateful, I need to act on that and pay it forward. Quietly, unassumingly, no strings attached. Because it's the right thing to do. No, I totally agree with you, Dr. Jane. And it can be so inspiring when we feel connected and drawn to doing the right thing for the right reason and serve the greater good. Um, you know, and at the last component of and the last component of the recovery, which we haven't talked about yet, is community. Yes. And community, you know, is about how we connect to others. And we've mentioned in previous episodes that as humans, we have this innate, innate need for human connection. It is part of our hardwiring. It starts in utero, extends through our, throughout our lives. Often this sense of community begins with, within the family system, you know, but it doesn't stop there. You know, the word is often associated with kind of the residential communities, you know, an urban community, suburban community, rural community. It really tends to be much more than that. And, and the way we're talking about it in recovery, it, it's more about a community that is sought um, and formed around common interests. You know, so if you have a common interest that might be oriented around service, like the PTA at schools, or it could be a church community or a political community, or even neighborhoods, or sometimes communities around uh, preserving the arts. So the key is that community connection provides a sense of belonging. And there's often a sense of increased power and control when we're part of a community because it's a united force supporting a common interest. So we don't feel as alone. So in recovery, our community can really help us by supporting and implementing the new normal. You know, it can also help us balance that that rift between individual rights and social good and help us build trust and also help us manage information and misinformation. And the other piece is that it can assist us in developing both individual and collective resilience because we do feel that, that sense of a unifying force. So on that recovery is possible. You know, it's, it's a process that is here, that is now, and, and we need to take care of ourselves first mind, body, and spirit, and then be willing to step up and serve the greater good in whatever way we're able to do that. No, no, contribu no contribution is ever too small when it comes from the heart. Boy, I totally agree with that. No contribution is too small. Such great advice for all of us as we are transitioning. 
This conversation has been filled with such important and impactful information, Dr. Jane. Thank you again for taking the time to break it all down for us. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation.